good morning, church. I'm excited to be here with you and uh, looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. I, uh, I know that it is Thanksgiving season, and man, I love those songs that we sang, His Mercy is More. That just, that just riled me up right there. I'm ready to go this morning. And I uh, hope you're in a season of Thanksgiving with yourself and uh, with your God and what He has done for you and all the things that He has touched in your life and all the things that you can be thankful for. And so uh, this morning we're going to speak about some of those things. Uh, I, do, uh, I do appreciate the opportunity to handle God's word. It's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to take God's word and come to our congregation and uh, be able to handle it. And so I do thank uh, the Lord for that. I thank Pastor for allowing me to come and step in the pulpit, and I'm grateful for that today. Well, let's do this. Let's dive right into our message this morning. If you would take your Bibles, turn to uh, Psalms chapter 107. Psalms chapter 107. We're going to go over a large portion of this chapter together. And uh, I am going to read the first couple of verses together. And then I'm going to ask you to read some verses with me. So if you find your place there in Psalms 107, I'll begin reading the first three verses, and then we're going to read a couple verses together, okay? I'll instruct you in just a moment. Look in your Bible and follow along with me. The Bible says, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Now if you would find verse number 6. In this passage, verse number 6 is going to be repeated four different times. And then we're going to read another verse in a second and that verse is going to be repeated four times as well. Let's read verse number 6 together if we could, read it out loud with me, begin. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Look now at verse number 8. Read it out loud with me, begin. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The title of the message this morning is Worthy Thanks. Worthy thanks. Let's pray and let's ask God to bless his word this morning. Lord, we are so grateful that you've given us your word, your communication to us, how you want us to know you, how you want us to respond. And so this morning, Lord, I ask that you would give us your word. You would bless your word. God, I pray that you would move in hearts today. Use your word, convict, change us. And Lord, make us more like you today. I pray that you would take your word, Lord, that you would use me to communicate it effectively, clearly, and that you would be praised and thanked here today. We ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Alfonso Twelfth was a good king. He was the king of France. And it came to his attention that one of his, or multiple of his servants in his court would eat their food before they would thank God. They would sit down to their meal, not thank God, eat their food, and not think anything of it. 
Well, Alfonso, he died at the age of 31, and so before he died, he wanted to teach these lowly servants in his court a lesson. So here's what he did. He created a feast and invited all of those servants to the feast and watched to see if they would thank the Lord for their food. As you guessed, they did not. They sat down, and every good thing was set on the table. They ate, they had their full, and as they were eating, a beggar... Dirty, low down, dilapidated, walks in, sits down at the table, and begins to eat. Well, the servants are kind of looking at each other like, what's going on here? And, and assuming that the king would, would look at this beggar and say, get out of here and run him off. But he didn't. The beggar continued to eat till his heart was content, got up and left. Men were still at the table. Looking at each other, they, could, they couldn't hold their tongue anymore, and they, they said to themselves, well, I can't believe that guy. What a mean fellow, they said. Well, the king silenced the boys as they were being riled up. And in a calm, clear tone, he said this. He said, boys, bolder and more audacious than this beggar have you all been. Every day you sit down to a table supplied by the bounty of your heavenly father, yet you ask not his blessing, nor express to him your gratitude. Is this not us? Daily, we, we reap the benefits from God. God lays out a table of blessing in our life, and we gladly take, yet we do not thank him. We gladly accept almost as if it's deserved to us, and we give no thanks. Well, David sees this same problem. His heart sees this and says, no, 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 we can't do this. We can't just take from God and not give thanks because God is a great God, a God worthy of thanks, a God that should be praised, a God that should be given thanks for many things. David's heart cries out. And as he writes this psalm, I can almost hear David as he's, he's almost saying, hey, wait, don't treat God like a genie. He's not some lucky rabbit's foot that you, you use when you need and then you turn away. He said, this is a God that is righteous and holy. And listen, he is good, he is merciful, he's gracious, and he's giving and loving, and we should thank him for it. Not just take and walk away. In these first three verses, it sets the tone of the rest of the passage that we're going to read today, what I just read. It says that we should give thanks to God for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The mercy that you and I will experience in this life is far above anything that you and I could ever deserve. You realize that? You know what we deserve as sinners, what we deserve as a rebellious people against God is a place of eternal fire place of eternal torment away from God. That's what we deserve. But yet he gives us mercy. He gives us grace. And then on top of it, in this life, he blesses us. Man, David is saying, we need to thank God. It is a priority for the Christian. Well, the way David explains how we should thank God is by giving us four examples Four examples that we're going to see in this passage of, of a, a person or people that, that go through something and God, God rescues them and he says, oh, that you would thank him for it. 
Here's four reasons. If you don't have any other reasons, here's at least four of why you should thank God. In these four reasons, we're going to see a pattern in each one of them. The pattern kind of goes like this. It's there these people come into trouble, and then they find woe. Then they cry out to God, and God rescues them, and then there's thanksgiving. Often we find ourselves in those patterns, don't we? We find trouble, and then woe, and then we cry out to God, and he rescues us. But oftentimes what we do as a mistake is we cut out the last step. Say, God, I need you. And then we're rescued, and we're like, oh, relief. And we leave out the last step of thanksgiving. And this is what David is saying. Hey, don't leave out the last step. Thank God. Oh, oh, that you would thank God. And praise him for his wonderful works to men. That's David's cry here. That you would see that God is worthy and that he should be thanked. You know what the amazing thing in this is that every time you're going to see in these four patterns, God comes through. God rescues. When we cry out, he's there and he saves. Even in, even in instances where we are trying to push him away, he comes back and he saves. And he rescues. It's an amazing thing David's going to lay out for us. But I want to tell you this. Church, God is worthy of thanksgiving. God is worthy of thanksgiving. So do you have in your heart some definitive reasons to thank God today? I hope so. I hope they're more specific than just the generic, well, thank you for the day. Thank you for my food. Should we be thanking God for those things? Absolutely. But David is going to dive deeper and say, hey, there are some very specific reasons why we should thank God. So that's what we're going to do today. This passage, it demonstrates four irresistible motivations to thank God. So let's look at them together. The first thing we're going to look at in verses 4 through 9 is we're going to see that God is worthy to be thanked because, number one, he realigns the path when, that you are on when you're lost. He realigns your path when you're lost. Look at it here with me in verse number 4. It says, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. David is expressing, and as, as you dive into these words, here's what he's saying. There's, there, there's this first set of people that they are, they're wandering in a wilderness, desolate. And he's, remember, this is the book of Psalms, and in Psalms it's poetry. Not poetry like you and I think of today, like rhyming line for line, but it's, it's a rhyming thought. And has, he, he, David is painting this picture of poetry. He's saying, imagine that there's these people in, in the desert, and they're traveling, and they're wandering, and they can't find their bearings. Well, what do you find in the desert? Well, there's nowhere to grow anything. There's no civilization. There's no security. He says here, there's no dwelling place. There's no city. There's no home. As they're wandering around saying, well, I need to find some stability. I need to have some, some way to sustain myself. Some income, some food. And as they're wandering around, they're hopeless and lost. And without any way. Can you imagine you being there in the desert? Not just the desert, but a desolate place, hopeless, wandering. The Bible says, it says that 
They found no city to dwell in. Verse 5 says, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Have you ever been there before? Hungry, thirsty, longing for something, looking to fill the void, and nothing actually fills the void? That satisfaction that you were hoping to have is not there? Lost. Not knowing where to go. That's these people. No direction. No satisfaction. Hungry. Thirsty. When I think of the word satisfaction, you know what comes to my mind is uh, the uh, diet called keto. Couple chuckles. If you've uh, experienced keto, you know what I'm talking about. Keto is a diet that, that focuses on the using fats as your fuel rather than carbs and sugar. Well, we all know that all of your cravings come from carbs and sugar, like candy and pop. I call it pop. I'm from the north. Uh, soda. Candy and soda and pasta and uh, anything that you would crave really has carbs or sugar in it. And so what this diet does is it cuts all that out. So if you've been on keto before, you will know, and you'll just have to take my word if you haven't been, is that diet, you can have any meats, any cheeses, any greens, pork rinds that you want. And as you eat those things, I, I remember experiencing this, you eat a bunch of meat and cheese and, and you're drinking water and all of a sudden you're full, but you're not satisfied. There's something missing. There's something more. That's where these people are at. God, I, I'm walking around and I, I'm trying to find my place, and, uh, but I'm in a desert and, and it's a desolate and I have no, no security. I have no satisfaction. I have no, no filling of the void. And that's where these people are at. But here's what they do. They find the answer, the right answer. It's the verse that you read. Here's what it says. It says that they call, cried out to the Lord, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And then verse 7 is going to tell us how he does that. It's a beautiful thing. It says, and he held them forth by the right way, and he, that they might go into a city for a dwelling place. It's almost as God comes along, grabs him by the hand, and says, hey, I know you've been wandering. I know you're in a place where it doesn't make any sense, but he grabs him by the hand and says, hey, come this way. This is the right way. And he takes him right to a place of security, of dwelling, of filling, of satisfaction. And he does that for you and for me. And when he does that, he deserves to be thanked. You know, this verse here, it says he saves them out of their troubles. You know, if you look at that word, that word has the idea, it paints the picture of being tied up, of being constricted, of being bound, of being tight. And that's how we find ourselves sometimes, right? We found all of a sudden that we're, we're, we're tied up and we're bound and we're, we're constricted and the things of life that we're trying to get going are not getting going. But these people, they cry out to the Lord. He says, okay, let me take you by the hand. Let me lead you. Here's where you need to go. This is the path. This is the way. Listen, he realigns your path when you're lost. But that's not the end. Verse 8 is what David is trying to get you and I to see. He says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Look at what the Lord does. When you're lost, he leads you. When you're unsatisfied, he takes you to a dwelling. He gives you a place of satisfaction and filling. Oh, that you would thank the Lord for that. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I don't know if you've been in those kind of places yourself. Wandering. 
purposeless, trying to plant something in the desert, fruitless, and you feel like, man, I'm just spinning my wheels and nothing's happening. Well, listen, God can realign your path when you're lost. And when he does, thank him for it. It's a beautiful thing. Something you're going to see, and we won't spend this much time in each section, but what you'll see is before God delivers, every time, before God delivers, there has to come a point where you cry out to the Lord. You can wander as long as you want. You can look and try to establish something as long as you want. But until you come to that point where you cry out to the Lord and come back, listen, that's how any relationship is. When a relationship has been broken, you have to do something in some way, apologize, come back, try to restore that relationship. And as soon as God sees that you do that, he steps in and saves and holds out his hand and and leads you and guides you. And he is wanting and willing to do that for you today if you cry out to him. And David says, and when he delivers, because he does, because he's good, because he's merciful, thank him for it. Number one, not only should we thank God for realigning our path, but number two, he realizes your bondage when you're hopeless. He or releases your bondage when you're hopeless. Let's look at these verses here together. Verse number 10, it says this. It says, those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their heart with labor, and and they fell down, and there was none to help them. Here's another set of people. Here's another example. David's saying, he says, if the first example wasn't enough, let me tell you about another group of people who sit in darkness, in a dungeon, in a place that is, that is hopeless. Can you, can you picture this where David is trying to paint this picture in this poetry of somebody sitting in a dark place? They are bound with chains, fetters, and, and hopeless. When am I getting out? I don't know. Is there any hope for me to get out? No. I can't even see the light of day. I'm sitting in darkness. It uses this term shadow of death. At the doorstep of death, there's, there's no hope. All hope is lost. Utter gloom. Maybe you find yourself there today, bound, maybe it's sin, maybe it's a relationship that's broken, maybe it's a a besetting sin that you have tried and tried and tried to get over, God can release you from that prison. He can do that. These people, surely they're entrapped by this. And and the Bible says in this verse, it says that those who sat in darkness, listen, this is amazing, it has the idea that they got to this place because of what they've done. The reality is is that we do things in our life that get us in situations that we're not happy with. They get us in situations that we we would have never gone there if we had not been foolish. But God says, hey, even though you put yourself in this position of bondage, even though you put yourself in this position of darkness, the shadow of death, you're at death's doorstep, I will still save you if you cry out to me. David is painting a beautiful picture here. Verse 15 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. He's going to continue to repeat this verse. 
It says, he brought them out of darkness as a shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. And I want you to look at verse number 16. It says, for he has broken the gates of the bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. You say, what is the significance of this? Why did he put this verse in here? Well, bronze and iron are certain metals and they were used for certain things. They had multiple purposes, but specifically in the context of prison, here's what they were. These metals, bronze was used to create the actual fetters that would bind you to the wall. The chains, the shackles, made out of bronze. Iron were, was made out of tools, the tools that helped you stay in prison, such as the bars on the window or the bars on the door were made of iron. And so when David is addressing, hey, listen, he, he breaks those things. The bronze he can take care of, the, the iron he can take care of. Here's what it's saying. He's saying in this poetic form, he's saying, no matter what is binding you, he can break. No matter what is keeping you there, he can cut that apart. God has the ability, the strength, and the willingness to do that for you if you cry out to him. And man, we are so ready for that, aren't we? We are so ready to be free. We are so ready to be out of that prison, aren't we? And we are excited to do that. And so we say, God, would you please help? And he dives in and rescues, and you're like, yes! David says, don't forget to thank him. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Give thanks for his wonderful works. Here's two reasons you should thank the Lord. He is worthy. Number one, it is because he realigns your path when you're lost. Number two, he releases your bondage when you're hopeless. As I think of bondage, I think of... Um, my mind goes back to high school. And uh, in gym class, we didn't have much of a gym class. I don't know what your gym like, but our gym class was one thing every single time. Every week, it was one thing. You want to guess what it was? Dodgeball. That's right. Good old dodgeball. High school dodgeball. You say, were you scared of dodgeball? No, I, I liked dodgeball. I was the guy that got the ball and, and flung it out to kids that were, you know, weren't able to block themselves. That was me. I was the bad guy. But I liked dodgeball a lot, but my favorite type of dodgeball was prison dodgeball. Because when you got out, somebody caught your ball or you got hit, you would have to go to prison. And then in prison, you were done unless one of your teammates caught the ball. And then you could come back in. And so I remember, I remember being in that situation and being on the sideline hoping that somebody would catch the ball. And you're excited when they catch it and you get to come back in. And listen, this is exactly what God wants to do for us. You, you're sitting on the sideline thinking, man, I'm out. Darkness, dungeon, prison, fetters, bars, that's it. God wants to come in and break those things and set you free. And when he does, let's thank him for it. Look at the next thing as we move along here. Verse number 17, we're going to find out not only does he do those two things, but number three, he renews your soul when you're overwhelmed. He renews your soul when you are overwhelmed. Verse number 17 says, Fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Here's the next set of people. David says, we've talked about people that lost the way. We've talked about people that were in bondage. Now let's talk about the person, the fool, that gets himself in a 
hairy predicament. He says, fools, in verse number 17, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. So here's what he's saying. Let me break it down for you very quickly. Fools really despise any kind of wisdom. They laugh, they mock at guilt. That's what a fool does. That's who he is. Hey, the repercussions that might come to me, I don't really care. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not really going to think about my decisions. I'm not going to listen to wisdom. I'm not going to heed counsel. I'm just going to kind of do what I want. So what, where does that lead them? Well, he says it leads them into this. Trans, because of their transgressions, that's what they've done. They now find themselves in iniquities, being afflicted. In this part of the verse, here's what he's saying. Because of their choices, they're experiencing consequences. And those consequences are affecting them. It's affecting their personhood. It's affecting their personality. It's, it's bringing them down to a disposition that is weighed down. And it says, how far down do they get? Where, where, where does this take them because of what they've done and the consequences? This affects them so much that, look in this verse, number 18, it says, and they draw near to the gates of death. So down, so low. Why? Well, because of what I did. And because of what I did now has consequences. And those consequences and that what I did is affecting me so much that it's bringing me down to this place, to the doorstep. That's what it means, the gates of death. I'm hopeless. I'm overwhelmed because of my poor choices, because of what I did, because of the consequences that are on me. It says, verse number 19, and they cried out to the Lord. And once again, he saves them, delivers them out of their destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. David takes it a step further here. He says, don't only, don't only thank the Lord for what he's done. He says, let's take it a step further now. He says, let's declare. Let's write it down. Let's make a record. Let's share it with people so that now other people know. Other people are aware of what God's doing. It's written down. David's saying, listen, when God does something amazing for you, like save you from your choices and your consequences, be sure to thank him. In this passage here, it says, it's amazing. I skipped over it just for a moment, but I want to go back. In verse 17, it says, fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities, were afflicted and their soul abhorred all manner of food. That word afflicted there also has the idea of being emaciated. And it makes sense because the next verse says they abhorred all manner of food. Listen, this is not just, a, oh man, I forgot to, forgot to make that payment and now I got to pay the late fee. No, this is serious. This is serious. When we make a choice in our life and we have to suffer the consequences and it, it gets to you so deeply that now I don't want food I've become emaciated I, I I'm just I'm losing the battle here 
say, that's, that's kind of depressing, isn't it? Yes, but here's what it also is. It's amazing that God can reach so low and pick you up so high. Listen, I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter how low you are, the foolish choices that you've made, and the consequences that come along with those choices, God can and will rescue you. But when he does, thank him for it. Declare it. Let it be known. Write it down. Share it. It's an amazing, amazing truth that David is praying and hoping that we don't miss. Let's look at the last example here in verse number 17. Verse number 17, or excuse me, look at the last one here. Verse number 23. This section is going to tell us about the last group of people and what God does. Here's what he does. He resolves your chaos when you're helpless. He resolves your chaos when you're helpless. Verse 23 speaks about these people. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up on heavens. They go down against the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Here's these last group of people. These people go down to the seed because of business. It happens regular, every day, like they're going to work. And their regular routine, they come down to the sea and they, they look out. The Bible says they see the, the ways and the ability of God, the awesomeness of God. And as they go about their business, they find themselves in the middle of a storm. Just regular daily business, the daily grind of life. And now all of a sudden, in the middle of the sea, they find the storm raging and the waves are being lifted up and dropped low. And they, they're in the middle of it now. In the middle of it. And, this, and it says that, in this verse it says, For he commands and raises the stormy winds which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens and they go down again to the depths. This is, this is a raging sea. This is not just a, a windy storm. And I know that you've been there before. You know why? Because that's what life does to everyone. Every single person. It comes in and when you are least expecting it, when you are in your regular routine and it has an ability to just disrupt and cause chaos. So be careful. Because notice who's in control of the storm. David specifically points out that God is in control of the storm. And so when something's happening in your life, when storms are raging and waves are up and down, remember that God often uses times like that to humble us. Did we not just hear that last week from Pastor? As he spoke about what God might use or do to bring us back to him. He uses that loss. He uses that pain. Why? Not to, to hurt us, but to bring us back to him. And in this situation, these people are going about their daily life. And God is saying, I'm trying to reach you. And he causes this storm to come. And it rages. And all of a sudden, what do they do? Well, here's what they do. It says in verse number, let's look down in verse number 26. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. In this serious situation, this, the sea in ancient times was the greatest visual example they could find 
of just chaos. Especially the Sea of Galilee. Calm, quiet, and then in moments known as sea raging to where people are thinking they're going to lose their lives. And this is what happens to these men. The very next verse says, verse number 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. What is this saying? It's saying David, David says, listen, these people, these experienced men who do this on a regular basis, this is their business. It's not like they're, they're novice. They come out into the sea, and now when they're in the storm, they root, row to and fro, trying to get control of the ship, trying to, to settle themselves, trying to make it easy and calm, trying to save themselves. But it says they're, they're going back and forth like a drunk man, stumbling here and there, not not really being able to get a hold of anything. And it says very something interesting. It says this. And they come to their wit's end. Every piece of experience, every drop of knowledge that they had of how to sail did nothing for them. Their wit's end. Could that be you and me? When life throws its curveballs at us, well, I just need to go when I need to take care of this. And if I, if I run here and I prop this up, and if I go over here and take care of this and smooth this relationship over, if I run, if I just take care of this bill and, and I, can, I can figure this out, and oh no, and now this is coming up, and oh, that person is mad, and now I got to take care of this and the kids and the, the marriage, and, and everything is just kind of at your wit's end. What do we do? What do these people do? They cry out to the Lord. Because that is the answer every time. The answer is to cry out to God. And I I can tell you this. David is focusing on giving God thanks. But the truth is still here. That when you find yourselves in any one of these predicaments, the answer always is. And that's why he repeats it. Four times. Cry out to the Lord. You know that verse is verbatim. Four times, and they cried out to the Lord, and he delivered them out of their destruction. Every single time. You know, you and I are not going to be able to get through life's storms on our own. We may try. We may think we've overcome. But eventually, you and I will have to come to the point and say, God, I have been trying this on my own. I really have rejected you. I've rejected your counsel. I've rejected your wisdom. I've not listened to your word, and I've tried on my own. But God, here I am crying out to you, and I need you to save me because I can't. I'm going to tell you that if you're saved in here today, if you're a child of God, that's the same point that you came to. It's the point of realizing that I'm a sinner. I have broken God's law. I have gone against his word. And there's no way for me to save myself. There's no way for me to escape the consequence. So what's the consequence? Well, the consequence is an eternity in hell away from God, in torment. That's what we deserve. That's our consequence for breaking that sin. And God says, wait, I am reaching out to you. I am here. I'm ready to save you just like everyone in here. He said, I have paid the price. I've died on the cross. I've shed my blood. I was buried. I rose again the third day so I could save you. And if you will just simply accept the gift of salvation, I will save you today. But until you come to that point and you cry out to God, he can do nothing. 
And David makes that point very clear. Let's cry out to God because he's able, willing, and ready to save you. And it's an amazing when he does. Look at what he does when he saves these people. It says, in the next couple of verses, after they cry out to God, he brings them out of their distress. Verse number 29 says, he calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. How does God save these people? Well, here's what he does. He steps in. And the waves that he was controlling earlier, he calms them. And he doesn't just calm the sea. Listen, this is beautiful. David, David put this in here on purpose. He doesn't just calm the sea so it's manageable again. Just so, okay, now, now, now we're able to sail at least. We can, we can, we, as long as we do this and this, we'll be able to make it. No, he doesn't calm the storm to that level. Look at what he says he does. It says, and he calms the storm so that its waves are still. Perfectly still. Something you could never do. Something those men could never do. Perfectly still. The same God that can swell the, the waves can still the waters. That's the God that you serve. He says, oh, as he calms a storm, then what does he do? He doesn't just allow them to, to navigate through a calm storm. Here's what he does. He now, again, he comes alongside in verse number 30, and they were glad because they were quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Hey, where you want to go, the place that you want to be, the desired heaven, haven, that security, God says, I know the path. Follow me. I'll, I'll take you there. Through the storm. Calm the storm quiet ways to a safe haven. That's the God that you and I serve today. And if we're not careful, we won't thank him for it. And I know that life happens. Life has a funny way of, of coming up on us. So let's cry out to the Lord. When you think of a fly, when, when a fly is flying around, you know, in his small, tiny life, he has not been smacked at all. He's not really come into danger. He's been able to avoid any kind of killing of the fly, and the fly flies around. But all of a sudden, when he finds himself stuck in a spider's web, man, I was just flying here. Now I'm stuck. That's life. Our answer is to cry out to God. So these four examples David gives us, Number one, he realigns your path when you're lost. Hey, we all get lost in that desert. He can guide you. He releases your bondage when you're hopeless. That place of darkness, those fetters have you, you're tight. God can break those things. He renews your soul when you're overwhelmed. God, I've, I've come to the place because of my poor choices. I can still save you. He, re he resolves your chaos when you're helpless. God, I was just going about life, and this, this, this came up, and God, I've tried everything I can, but I'm at my wit's end. Would you save me? And David is saying, look at these four examples. Is God not good? Is his mercy not good? Plentiful? It is. And I implore you today to thank God. The students at a Kentucky high school found a way to say thank you to the janitor that kept their school buildings in order. For Ricky Spaulding, it was just a routine call to go to the gymnasium to clean up another spill. 
but it was far from routine. This time, Spalding was presented with a check for $1,900 to enable him and his wife to travel to Italy to see his two-month-old granddaughter. The baby was born to Spalding's son, who was stationed in Italy in the U.S. Navy. Here's what Paul Spalding said. He said, it was just I was just absolutely speechless. When I think of the generosity of the students and the staff here, just for me, I'm just overwhelmed with emotion. You know, God has done a pretty good job at cleaning up our messes, hasn't he? He's done a good job at janitoring our life. Let's not turn and walk away and leave him unthanked today. Here's four examples. Four motivations to thank God. David is crying out. Please thank him. So decide today, hey, I am going to thank God. Make it a regular part of your life. Because he's worthy. For the big things, for the little things, I'm going to declare it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to have people rejoice with me because he's worthy. He's worthy. Let's pray together. Head bowed and eyes closed. Let's talk to the Lord about these things. Lord, we are so thankful that you've given us your word. God, I realize that we can get caught up in life. But I pray that our heartbeat would be like David's. Our heartbeat would say, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's thank the Lord. Let's not leave him unthanked. God, I pray for every person here, including myself. God, in this season, in this time, we would make a decision to say, God is worthy of my thanks. Look at all he's done. Look at all he's saved. I will determine now to thank him. Maybe you're here today and you, you've not been able to experience that saving grace. Maybe you're here and saying, it, you know, I, I've never experienced what it is to be a child of God. I've never asked for forgiveness of my sins. I've never cried out to God. You can do that today. You can do that today. I could lead you in a prayer. The, the words that I'm going to say will not save you. But if you repeat after me, if you believe in your heart these words, God will save you today. If you say to him, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize what I deserve is hell. But God, I believe in your son Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for me, paid the price, rose again on the third day, and I accept him as my one and only Savior. Please help me to not be ashamed of you. If you prayed that prayer today, God is going to do just like he does and reach out and save you. With head bowed and eyes closed, let's all stand to our feet. As we stand to our feet, there's an altar here that is open. The worship team is going to sing a song. This altar is meant for you to come and thank the Lord. Come to the Lord with your burdens. Lay them down. And let's thank the Lord because he is worthy.